Welcome back to another episode of the Black Menaces Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Bird, and I'm here with my co-host, Rachel Weaver. So happy to be back here with you guys this week. And this is a special week because of our guest that we have today with us. It is um, someone very special and close to me, um, Ron Weaver. You yes, want to go indeed. ahead and introduce yourself briefly? What's up, guys? I'm Ron Weaver. If you don't know, uh, Rachel is my sister. So shout out to Rachel. Um, thank you, Nate. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, I'm a student at Brigham Young University, finishing up. Have one more year left, um, and then we'll move on with my life happily. If you couldn't tell by the fact that they're identical, then <laughs> we're I, I not identical. You, we don't look, look exactly alike. Exactly alike. <laughs> All no, the weavers, we, y'all got strong weaver. Acting like I don't know if features. we look alike. Rachel's the best looking weaver in the family, but so I don't. I don't know if Thank we look you. alike. Thank you. I appreciate that. What? How's Rohan and Rebecca gonna feel about that? Uh, Hannah, I think don't care, but I think Rebecca will take it the most personal out of everybody. Yes, this is true. Well, we just won't let them um, hear that part, I guess. <laughs> but before we continue on, I'm going to do our Menace Moment for today. Um, I'm really excited to do this person just because I've had an opportunity to hear from them live myself. Um, her name is uh, Hobnin Gurma. She was born in Oakland, California in 1988. And she, her parents, so she's black, um, but... Her parents, they are, her father is from Ethiopia, and then her dad is from, Eritrea, I mean, her mom is from Eritrea, which is a place in East Africa, a country in East Africa. I never heard of it until I looked this up. I didn't even know this about her when she um, shared her story with me at my job, but um, it's really important to know that her parents um, are immigrants and they immigrated to the United States, and then um, her older sibling um, was also born there. And so what's really cool about her story is she lost her vision and hearing. Um, they said, like, it's just an unknown progressive condition beginning in her um, childhood, and she only has 1% of her sight. So she is both deaf and blind, and her older brother is also um, deaf and blind. And uh, really, her story is really cool just because she's incredible in what she's been able to do. She was the first deaf-blind student to attend and graduate from Harvard Law School, and she earned her uh, JD in 2013, which in my head, 2013 isn't that long ago, and so it's kind of shocking that this is the first time someone with those disabilities, um, both of them, graduated from such an, um, you know, an accredited school. Yeah, that's wild. And exactly, and she graduated her undergrad magna cum laude in 2010. So she did it back to back. Impressive. That's what's up, Shadi. Exactly. Um, And so she's done a lot of really awesome work with um, the the Disabilities Act and and fighting for people with disabilities, especially when it comes to um, helping to increase access to books and digital information for people um, with both visual and hearing loss. And um, she worked for the Disability Rights Act advocates in Berkeley, California, um, for a while. And now a lot of what she does is speaking to people and sharing about her story. Um, and she also got to meet with Barack Obama in 2015, um, to highlight the importance of accessible technology. Um, and so that was on the 25th anniversary of the Americans with Disability Act, which she talked a lot about in her story and sharing that because of that act, it really benefited her and being able to, have access to things that her older sibling, who has also had these same impairments, didn't have. And the, it has affected, obviously, the trajectory of her life, which was really cool. And I just thought she was a very um, remarkable speaker. Um, when she spoke to my at my job, she has an interpreter. Well, like, not an interpreter. It's um, um, 
someone who uh, writes out what is being said. And so, like, you know, she asked at the beginning, like, I might have a few moments of delay because she's waiting on the typing from someone else. And then she reads it in Braille and then she's able to speak back to you. So she's very incredible. And it was just hearing someone who um, has disabilities, um, like a visual and hearing disability, and hearing them share their story and the experiences that they have on little minor things. Um, Something she shared about when she first went to college was reading the menu in the cafeteria and how that was really hard because they had never had someone who needed visual assistance getting a... um, like reading the menu and her school at first was very um, slow to respond to her request and saying, Hey, I need more, you know, read and read these things on my own. And, um, but once it finally happened, it made such a big difference. Um, and so it was, it, it was just the way that she described it. She talked about how she was able to, you know, able to see the colors and like understand more about like her food experiences through being able to have accessibility. And so it's something as someone who works in diversity and inclusion, it's something I want to continue to learn from people like Habna and hearing their experiences and learn what can we really do to make our spaces more inclusive of people who have disabilities, visual and, um, you know, visual disabilities and disabilities that aren't as visible. So I just thought her story was incredible and um, it encouraged me to get my shit together because uh, if I go back to school, because she, uh, you know, was killing it in school with, um, more I guess face front facing struggles than I had and um just very inspiring so yeah that's our minutes for today that is that's amazing can we get her name one more time her, her name is Hobnin Gurma it's H-A-B-E-N and then G-I-R-M-A <clears throat> she has a book out and she also has she a, a lot of um, oh man yeah she has a TED talk as well so if you want to go read up on her and hear again she's a great very captivating speaker I loved it. She spoke my job for an hour for Black History Month, and that was great. That's what's up. That's cool that, that your job invited her in. We need more mm-hmm. jobs to do stuff like that. That's what's up. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing about Haben Gurna. Gurma? Gurma. Gurma. Haben Gurma. Cool. I'm going to I'm gonna have to read that book. I'm going to listen to that TED Talk. I like TED Talks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. Cool. All right. Well, we got Ron in the studio today, and oh, mm-hmm. man, you can see the wall. That's so ratchet. Well, that's all right. Um, if you see this video episode, you'll be able to see the wall in the background because I'm not getting up to adjust the camera, but it's all good. We're going to talk to Ron today about <laughs> some of his experiences at BYU, and um, some of, of Ron, one of Ron's talents is the ability to have uh, difficult conversations in a way that is easy for people to digest. Like uh, Ron, you're very much a straight shooter. You say what's on your mind. Period. Honestly, all all the weavers that I've met are like this. Also, Ra- Rachel too. Where Rachel will say what's on her mind, um, but you have a you have a way with with words and being able to get your point across in a very honest and direct way. And so we want to talk a little bit about that and about okay. uh, some recent experiences that you've had at BYU, <laughs> right? Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, with with you know. We'll just we'll just let you jump into it. So go okay. ahead and share the recent experience. Just kind of give a background about you know the the history behind that experience. Okay, and what, what went down? Um, so yeah, pretty much um, what Nate and Rachel are referring to uh, for all of you out there is I was supposed to be the MC at Perspectives. Uh, 
you know, for this past year. Every year BYU has perspectives where they put it on for students uh, at BYU, specifically black students. Any student can participate, of course, but majority of the participate are black students um, to be able to show their culture through art, music, dance. And this is an uh, event that I've emceed, I think, for three years, honestly. Yeah, and you've emceed it since... You didn't do our freshman year, but no. you did it after that, 2018, right? Yeah, 2018, 2019. It didn't happen in 2021 because of COVID, uh, 2020 because of COVID, or 2021. No, it did happen in 2020, Ron. Oh, you're right, it did. But it was virtual or something. It, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was something, yeah, that's what it was. 2021 was virtual. Virtual, one of the, I was the one that I didn't do. So I've done it for three years, um, which is correct. And... Um, I was I was supposed to do it. We had decided on it in November, because which is when we usually start planning for perspectives. Because the BYU MSS office, you know, has Luau, and um, and then we normally let Luau happen. And the Polynesian community, they have that time to prepare because it's all hands on deck from September to whenever they have it in October, November, and then we take over um, to be there's able Fiesta to. Fiesta too, and then there's Fiesta too. Fiestas mm-hmm. before that. So with Fiesta and Luau, it's so difficult to be able to plan perspectives. You just kind of let the other two events happen, which is fine, mm-hmm. which makes sense, right? And they have to have time to be able to show their culture through the Hispanic and then the Polynesian culture. So November is when we start planning. So it was decided from talking with Kylie, who's the Black Student Union president, um, also one of the Black Menaces. That uh, I was gonna, you know, MC, and then Kenithia, who hadn't done it either, was gonna do it as well. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. You know, Ken's never got to be able to get up on the stage to do it. So that was decided. Then we get to right after Martin Luther King, after the weekend, we come back a week after that, and the MSS office is talking about auditions, and I didn't know about this. And then I am getting text messages, I'm getting DMs of saying, hey, do you see that? The perspectives, uh, you know, it's an open, it's an open audition. I'm kind of like, well, that's kind of confusing. So obviously, I was talking to some people, and they're like, well, we want to give every student an opportunity. And I'm kind of like, well, that wasn't what we decided on. Why did we change that? All of a sudden, mm-hmm. not not that giving opportunities is bad. I'm all about giving opportunities, but why now? Why wasn't that decided two months ago? Why did yeah, we? Why wait? didn't they check in? Exactly. With you why didn't well they, you know, ask the... me directly or even Kanithia of why? Why okay. are we doing this? almost a month before the show, three, four weeks beforehand. Mm -hmm. So that is what happened. A lot of stuff that was going on about he said, she said that only three people had auditioned. They had brought me in and they, you know, I'm not going to get into all the stuff that had happened last year, but I feel like they basically just weren't being fully truthful with me Mm because there was a bunch of stuff that I would kept hearing from either other people audition or everybody outside. I felt like they never wanted to just tell me directly what was going on. And pretty much what to get into it, I had, had made a comment about someone else that had talked about the Brad Wilcox situation that happened last year. This person, obviously, they don't come around enough. If they would have come around enough, they would have known that I had asked you guys, or asked the majority of the BYU students that were black and in the community, did you guys want me to address this on stage for perspectives? Everyone said no. We don't want to give power to that. We don't want to get that. Well, this person says that they've been you know, told to share their experience with BYU. They get up there and they say directly about that. So then I go up there to refute that, you know, and then I basically said, I'll be damned. And I guess that made them feel some type of way. <laughs> I said it very directly as a black pastor in the Southwood. Anyway. Yeah, you can't say damn at BYU. You barely can't say damn at BYU, but they believe in, you know, the Book of Mormon and the Bible, and it says damned in there. So it's mm-hmm. kind of crazy when I think about it. Anyway, uh, so that had happened. So pretty much I was taken away from being the MC, the perspective's MC. And I won't lie, it really did hurt because if they would have just been, hey, 
we feel uncomfortable or we don't want you to do it. I just felt like it, they weren't fully being honest at MSS mm-hmm. office. Or even and, if they had just sat down and addressed the issue. Yeah, even if like, they, hey, it went okay, hey. We didn't like what happened last year. And that's cool. This right. is, but to just kind of go behind yes, your back, that's and the issue. Exactly. And I kept hearing things from different people. When I'm hearing different things from my peers and other people, it's going to make me feel some type of way. And where I'm from, being from mm-hmm. Chicago, we call that sneak dissing. Oh, yeah. So like you sneak dissing behind my back. And then when I address it, you kind of like, da, 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 I don't know. I'm like, no, don't da, 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 like be honest mm-hmm. about it. So to basically wrap this up, I was like, okay, it's not going to change. I was told put on my big boy pants. I'm like, all right, I'll put them on. So then I couldn't get into that. So I was like, okay, well, you could participate and you could do a comedy skit. I was like, bad, cool. I do the comedy skit. I meet with the associate director, Kahea. He's like, hey, you just have to take out this one joke. I'm like, cool, not a problem. Um, You know, I don't think the one joke will work. And then after, you know, the one joke is we're still talking of the audition. He's like, hey, with time, I don't think we're going to be able to have you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Pause. I want to add context for people to understand perspectives. The the way perspectives works every single year is um, blacks. It just it's composed of black students or really students coming up and sharing different parts of the African diaspora in whatever way they want. Mm -hmm. So, yeah like Ronald said earlier, poem singing. So it's normally like people sing, some people will dance, some people will, and we have our step team, we have a fashion show. And a comedy skit has also been done before in the past. And so it's whatever way you want to show your culture and like air quote, like your perspective Mm -hmm. is how you can do it. And so that's why Ronald chose to do a comedy skit if you're like wondering how that fits in with the story. I just wanted to add that. Sorry. Thank you. I didn't explain that. But yeah, so that's what I did to be a part of black culture. Because if you think of just black um, culture in general, there's a lot of black comedians out there. You know, you got mm-hmm. Kevin Hart, you have Dave Chappelle, you have Eddie Murphy, Bernie Mac, RIP to him. You have a lot of people that have done stand up comedy. So mm-hmm. I was doing that, and then it got shut down, and I was just like, well, what's going on? And then Kahea's like, I didn't know about the whole MC thing. So I explained to him everything, and then he's like, well, let me get with that. He's like, obviously, at the end of the day, I still make the decision, but the time thing is, is, is what it is at the end of the day. And I said, well, that doesn't make sense because, mm-hmm. and I told him, why would you cut a black student now or black students for someone else to participate that's not black? Mm-hmm. And I said, I understand making it, it fair and equal for all people, but if anything, all black students should be able to participate. Right. And then those students who can't fulfill that should be cut first if they're not black, just personally. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's what it would be for Fiesta luau and they've right. done that before mm-hmm. and yeah because it's, a, it's a supposed to be an event for black students to share their perspective just like rachel said yeah so for them to cut black students out who want to share their perspective and leave other students in who are who don't share yeah that perspective so i met with him um later and then mm-hmm. he told me he's like hey looking at iran i can't you know let you into the show in this and i was like i was like I was like, it just makes it seem like what I did last year, I really haven't been forgiven. Mm-hmm. You know, and as I thought about it and talk to people, it, it, you guys say you've forgiven me, but that doesn't mean you're going to let me get up there. And he was just quiet, you know, with some of these certain parts saying, I'm sorry. I was like, if you're really sorry, you'll let me get up there. Mm-hmm. I was, or you will have let what happened, you wouldn't let that happen to me. I was like, how it goes from me being a part of the MC with someone else to that gets taken. Now I can participate, but now I, then I can't say this, I can't say this. And he had made some, he's like, I just don't think BYU is ready for that comedy. And I was like, oh, so it is the skit. I was like, it is a comedy. He's like, no, it's the time. So I, then I was all confused. I'm like, okay, is it the skit of what I'm saying or is it the time? Like, I really don't get it, you know? And I just, and I told him, I said, BYU is not ready for that comedy. I said, so when will they ever be ready for it? 
I say because that I guess I'm gonna keep it real. I don't know if BYU in the church ever wants to talk about race. Oh, I don't never. think they ever want to talk about that. If we're gonna keep it real, mm-hmm. and you and I both know that. And he's like, "Well, how can I support you?" I was like, "Well, one, let me get up there." He's like, "I can't do that." I was like, "Well, I was like, if you're not gonna let me get up there, then you really have to fight for black students." And I told him, at least when Jamal Willis was in the office, he did. I feel like not let something slide. I feel like you're letting this slide. And then I hit him with a statistic. I was like, obviously you're going to help the Polynesian students because if you think about it, 0.5% of the MSS office is made up by Polynesian students and we're the last, obviously. Mm-hmm. If you think about that, just of, of what it is. And it's just it's just so sad because I had to tell that to like my family. I had to tell it to Rachel. I had to tell that to my wife. I had to tell that to you know my mom. I had to tell that to all the community like, hey, this is what's been done. And now that breaks other people's trust. Of like, well, what else are you telling us about? You know, other, we felt like we had gotten to a place where we were really being honest with them. Mm-hmm. And then it just felt like all of that got burnt. The bridge just completely got burnt. And that, that was yeah. frustrating. And I think part of that was probably some backlash from last year's perspectives. Because mm-hmm. last year's perspectives, it happened right after um, right after yeah. Brad Wilcox had made his comments. Yep. Like literally the same yeah. month, right? You know, a couple yep. weeks removed. It was like two weeks. It literally it was two weeks. Long. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. that long at all. There were also a few other things that had gone down that were all just very, and like black students were going through a lot. Like I, I think we've talked about this, yes. Rachel, where, you know, all of us that were in the black ministry, we've all mentioned that like that was a very difficult semester for us. Like I, it I was contemplated. So hard. Yeah, it was my last semester of college. I contemplated dropping out more than once. I barely went to class. Like I was struggling mental health wise, and we were all just fighting. Like that was a very difficult semester, um, and you know we were all just just trying to make it through. And so to add that situation on top of it, perspectives really la- um, last year became a way for us to let out some of those emotions, to let out some of those things that we were feeling. And so it was a very emotionally charged performance. Yeah. Um, you know, I sang a change is going to come. Yep. You did. And I actually, Beautiful. I wrote a couple of songs. I wrote a couple of verses that the Lord yeah. would not let me sing. Cause I sure did forget the words. As you soon as surely I did. <laughs> but I, you I saw know. some of those. <laughs> yeah. But like, I literally went up there and I started to sing and I forgot the words. So I just kept on going. Um, but then there were other perform. There were there was poetry. There was mm. you know Ron. You gave your your refutal to the comments that were made about Brad Wilcox. There were other things that happened, which um, was powerful at the time. If mm-hmm. for those who weren't there, like it was a very again like May said, already an emotional time, an emotional mm-hmm. performance. And so when the comments were made by I'm the getting chills right now as Richard brings it up. You mm. know when because we all remember this feeling like the comments were made by an individual that. A lot of students didn't feel represented how we felt. Mm-hmm. And we were we were also told by the MSS office to not address it Yes, as well. So that was another thing from the top down. And for those who don't understand, the Multicultural Student Services Office, they are the ones who, you know, facilitate and pay for the space that we use, the lighting crew, you know, the tech, all and We that. are very we grateful for that. I just want to say that. Which mm-hmm. is we're grateful for. But because of that, they are the ones who, like, you know, kind of run how the show is done through them. Yep. That's one of their parts. Uh, parts of the MSS office is giving cultural programming. And so when this comment was said, we all knew that it wasn't going to be addressed on stage. And if it was, it was going to be addressed by Kevin Worthen by anybody who was the president of BYU at the time. So we were all taken back. And then to have the comments not reflect people's experiences was very emotional for people. Mm -hmm. And then when Ronald went up and no one told him to do that, Ronald just felt compelled by the spirit. I did. I really did feel compelled by the spirit. When he spoke, he spoke like this. It was Mm -hmm. like the house was brought down by what Ronald said. 
in a good way, not in a bad way. In my perspective, like what mm-hmm. he said was what needed to be said. And I think black students felt very much like, yes, this is the correct way to address this yeah. if we are going to do that. And, felt, and that's yeah. a surprising thing, right, is because we were told not to address it. And then to have a student get up there and address it and say, hey, I've been told to share my experience. It seems suspect, just like with me not being the perspectives this year and all the other stuff like with, with, with the BNMC, it seems very suspect. So you tell us not to address it. We're like, okay, cool. He addresses it. And then I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to go for that. Mm-hmm. One, it makes me feel some type of way. And I've just seen other students who don't feel as confident, who've been struggling, who I know myself included, mm-hmm. cry about this. And he going to get up there and say that. And he hasn't been around. And to be honest, let's just keep it real. I'm not trying to put this person on blast. This is a student who transferred away from BYU to the University of Utah and came back. So don't act like you know what's going on in the school mm-hmm. and you've been da- you've been down there rocking with us when you went away. Mm-hmm. You came back for a master's program. You have no idea what we've been through. You think you know, but you don't. And then to get up there and to say that to be honest you can have your perspective that's totally fine but that was Mm -hmm. the wrong place and the wrong setting if anything when i was talking about it with and with with emily and my wife for people who don't know she's white she says that just gave white people more of a fuel of a fire to dismiss Mm -hmm. anything that was Mm -hmm. racism and anything that just fuels their fire to be like okay good i feel that way Mm -hmm. and that's what this person does they do that and you, you, if you're really about being like Christ, how I think it should be, and which is why I feel a lot of people will ask me to do things, not because I'm a better person, not because of that, is if you're really going to be like Jesus Christ and have these conversations, and the reason this person's not in the room always, then you have to address things directly as Christ would. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, this person didn't want to do that. They want to be able to, well, I'm not that person. I'm not this person because of this. You want to make them feel better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep it real. I don't, I don't give a damn about your feelings. I'm going to say it again. Mm-hmm. I give a damn about making your feelings feel nice. Okay, Ronald, you said damn. You so said damn, we need you. We exactly. You back on the show. <laughs> and, but here's the thing. Christ doesn't care. He cares about your feelings, but he don't pass by stuff. At least mm-hmm. the Christ I know. If you yeah. find a different Christ, let me know because I want to meet him because <laughs> I don't think that's right. possible. And this person does that, and it's just frustrating because at the end of the day, Jesus did cast people out when he needed to, when it was that way. Mm-hmm. He did threaten people. So it, when you try to go away from that and when you try to make – when you try when, when just that moment just took away, and it really, to be honest, I felt like it ruined the show, and then I felt like I had to get up there, and I had to refute that, and then as I felt the like MC. I ruined the show. As the MC, as the master of ceremonies, I feel like I cannot not do that, especially when I got you, Rachel, I got other people. I'm like, if I let that go, I can't let that go. Mm -hmm. Like, no, like, and that, but that's how it goes at BYU. You say one bad thing, you do one bad thing, and it's complete, you get completely canceled. Not even bad. Not even bad. One thing that makes the administration uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. And it's just crazy. And here's Mm -hmm. the thing, and I don't know if it came from President Worthen. This is the crazy part, and I'll let Rachel speak. Because I've interacted with President Worthen before that, during that moment, and mm-hmm. after that. And President Worthen and them have never pushed me away. They've never not let me come to the office. Mm-hmm. They've invited me for lunch. So it's, vi- it's I don't know where this is coming from. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's coming from him. It could be coming from like the associate dean or anything, or it could just be the MSS office directly. But it doesn't seem like it's a President Worthen type of thing. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't, doesn't if I'm going to be honest, mm-hmm. just from how no, I feel like. Yeah, so, I, I would agree well, with that. And the, the only thing I want to add is some more context that we've learned since the event has passed that just adds to um, the incrimination of the MSS office, respectfully. Um, we learned from someone else, again, not using names, but we learned from another person that in a conversation held after perspective with other people who helped organize it, hmm. they they refer, they 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 acted like Ronald was not always the MC assumed facts. 
they said that Ronald, when he was the MC last year, he wasn't supposed to be the MC, air quote. Like, they're like, oh, they called him last minute, and that's the reason why he was the MC. They had somebody else lined up, but they fell through last minute, and Ronald had to come in to mm-hmm. replace him, which is <laughs> not true. It's literally right? false because Ronald was the MC since the beginning from day one. Mm-hmm. And anyone who we all were a part of perspectives and went to all the Ronald was there at the auditions for the first. Weren't you there last year? I was at auditions? all three auditions. I oh, said because exactly. I felt the so, MC needs to connect with the people that perform and know what they're yes. talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are you talking about? Ronald wasn't supposed to be the MC. Like Ronald wrote his script. You, you added to your because Ronald has a script that he would use so for cap. the perspective performance, and he added to it last year and changed it multiple times. It went through editing with the MSS office. So when they said that, that's just quite. Um, shocking and also something another layer um, to add as well is uh, Black Menaces wasn't what it was when Perspectives happened last year. Mm-hmm. Black Menaces was clearly blown up and Kenithia also was going to MC with Ronald this year because Ronald has done the MC for the past year so he's very well versed in it and we wanted they wanted to like have a you know a female as well up there. My and idea by the way that they stole. Right. Ronald's idea, thank you. And they, you know, you guys wanted to like give another. Ronald wanted to help Kanithia get to where he was yes, at, right? Type yes. thing. Just because Ronald's really, really good at it. If you guys see him, um, mm-hmm. and it's just a skill that he naturally has that I would be so scared to do. But um, and so we think also with that because again, that was also the assumption going into this year's perspectives that Ronald and Kanithia were both going to do it. We. Someone brought up to me that they believe that they didn't want anybody who represented Black Menaces at the front of perspectives. They couldn't stop Kylie from being involved because she's the BSU president, but they really didn't want to highlight anybody else. And making Kenethia the MC would very much put her, you know, almost representing the MSS office and perspectives. And she's involved with Black Menaces and um, thinking that they didn't want any association as well with them with that. That's not confirmed, though. That's just a sus suspicion our own idea yeah yeah though because kenita would have made an excellent mc she would have a a lot of energy and a lot of a lot of that that same talent to be able to get up there and speak confidently it's just crazy because it's like if they really blaming us on the black menaces like i'm not trying to be rude to them but i don't even like i just started helping y'all out like i think a month or two ago like, it's not. I don't think that was about you. No, I think, I think they just Kenithia and that, and it's just like, and I just like everything's just suspect, and all these things finding out later. It seems that MSS is just very on edge, and to me, this is kind of how I look at it. When you lie, when you say stuff that's not truthful, God gets you in a way, and you're gonna feel pressure to represent stuff because it's just not right. And all they had to do was just be truthful at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. All they had to do was like, hey, we feel uncomfortable with this. Yeah. And it's like, yes, okay, if you're giving another student an opportunity, then why is it time? I don't understand that because Luau and Fiesta go over on time every year. That doesn't seem to be a problem. And when I brought that up, and I said that, I was like, you know this is going to look bad that me as a black student can't participate or other black students and someone else's. And it's like, well, we, we have to be fair. Yes, not to them. You do understand. Like that's when I tell people well, this is a black event, black history, yes, being fair, but then you cut black students out and then other people on there that aren't black students, it's going to look bad to a degree. And what was mm-hmm. and what was crazy is there was a white student who did a performance all by themselves. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm referring to. Yep. No black person was on stage with them. And even though they were talking about a black story, yes, which was great. Appreciate I'm that. I'm not knocking yes. that. 
but there were three black students who wanted to do an act representing themselves and their culture who were denied because of time and a white student was allowed to stand on stage at a black performance made, built up by black people from the ground up. Mm -hmm. The first per perspectives, performances, the first couple of years, they'd have maybe 20 people come. And now every year we are over days. capacity. Yeah, it was you, Judge. I remember it was on the fifth floor of the Wilk. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, that was you, Nate. Yep. It was on the fifth floor of the Wilk, Nate. Yep. And now it's in the ballroom. So mm -hmm. it, it's, it's per it was personal. Yeah, so we just, yeah, this story about MSS is, it's really not to, to highlight or to gripe on them, but it's really to just under highlight the experience that black students have at BYU yeah. mm -hmm. that, you know, I've had multiple experiences with MSS where I feel like they don't care about black students Excellent. because they are the only um, office on campus historically before this year, before they went to the Office of Belonging, that dealt with students of color specifically, yeah. other than the international student services. But like American students of color, giving them services, offering us like connection and all that. They are the one office on campus, but they have constantly done things to make black students even feel excluded within the people of color network that we have mm -hmm. and um, not feel supported. And we could do a whole nother podcast on that. And I don't we necessarily could. think it's their fault. I think it's no. a lot of other issues at play, but right. it's just to highlight that even when we're, we're supposed to feel support, we haven't and don't. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and that's a, that's just a frustrating thing just to end on that is that's how it ended, you know? And, um, I was able to be, not just because I want to tell the truth, I want to tell everything. I was able to get up there and to be the fashion show thing. And it's crazy, right? Because everybody in the audience knew black and white. A lot of people knew. And just what, what made me feel comforted, I guess, by the people. Mm -hmm. You know, those in power, I say, are always going to make you feel some type of way. But when, cause, and, I, and I will say this, because Augustine has said, and I, and I do have to respect and I don't want to lie, but Augustine said, what do you want me to say when you get on there? Because I know you weren't able to do this. I do appreciate him seeing and recognizing mm -hmm. that and not just sweeping it under the rug, because that's what hurts in your own community when other people try to turn their head at certain things differently. Mm -hmm. But for the fact that he didn't do that, and I told him what to say. I said, you, you can go off this and say, and for the fact that he did that, and to hear the roar and the ovation when I got up, when I got up on the stage, mm -hmm. although I wasn't the MC, it felt so much like that in that moment to be able to do that because all they were going to give me was explain what the fashion show was in one minute and keep stepping. Mm -hmm. So what Rachel said about highlighting that, it definitely seems like they didn't want that to be the face mm -hmm. of those things. But it's just, it's frustrating because some of the skit that they used, some of the words that I wrote, like I wrote some of that skit yeah. back in the day when I was mm -hmm. like, don't use that, please. Like th this is my brand. These are some of my words. And then also for the fact that they, you know, they kept using my ideas. I said, hey, maybe we should have a female that's black, too. We need to highlight black women. This is not just a black men thing. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that they highlighted black women. But, you know, is there anything else I can do like to feel a part of this? Like because I was like, OK, hey, are you literally going to let me just like not have like nothing? You know, and then I, I couldn't even like help to a degree help them and be involved to like help them with their speeches, just make sure everything was that way. Like it was just so late to do everything. And I felt just, he's just stabbed in the back by the one office who's supposed to support us mm -hmm. and to be there. And it just, it confirmed everything that's happened to other people in the past. And it's just another thing that's happened to me at BYU, you know, and a lot of other stuff has happened with white people involved, but it sucked because this is the office and people of color mm -hmm. um, to do that. And that, that really did suck. And I told him directly, I said, this is the last time I'm going to have a conversation like this. I said, but I'm telling you what to do for next year. Because my goal now is to make sure you guys don't ever do this to another student again. Mm -hmm. I said, whether, and that's in their respective culture, black, Asian, Polynesian, 
um, Hispanic, it doesn't matter because no student should be told to do something and then have that taken away and be stabbed in the back. So he actually wrote down what I said. Don't know if they'll do it, but that's kind of how the vibe has been. MSS mm-hmm. has used my ideas, but either and I don't care if I don't get credit, right? I don't right. care if you need to do that, but don't just take what I have and toss me to the curb. That seems mm-hmm. like what society does, yeah. and that's frustrating. And we've been through that already. And I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm tired of that happening. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of those things, and it's just it's just extremely frustrating that. It felt like a shot in the heart because I felt like we were going the right direction, and this is the one place I could call that, and I don't feel like I can call that anymore. Yeah, I get that, and that's that's the main issue is the 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 censorship and the silencing of students mm-hmm. in this process. You know, we don't want to to like to speak ill of of any like other students because, like you said, you know, Augustine he did a great job. And he, he did came and talked to you. He wasn't the, he wasn't no, the problem. he was not no, it not was at none all. None of the students, right? Augustine, none and, of the, and, none and, the students. Know, him and Noel, did and they an did a great job. job. I want to highlight that right. they did a fantastic they job. Had great chemistry. It was they fun. Did. The little, like the little they, you can tell they, they practiced that they put mm-hmm. work into that. Yeah, they did a great job. It's unfortunate yeah, it's though because them at all. Nothing against them. People have people in power. Yeah, but but they got kind of roped into yes, which I don't like. Yes, and and really like the whole situation was weaponized in a way to mm-hmm. kind of cut you out yeah. because people were made to be uncomfortable yeah. last year, which, and it wasn't a bad discomfort, but it's just, uh, you know, kind of like what Rachel said earlier, this is to highlight the experience of students at yeah. BYU specifically. And we found, you know, going to other campuses, and this is not unique to BYU, but BYU, um, it has its own unique way of doing things. And, and students at BYU and the Black Student Union especially are often uh, silenced, often censored, in ways that others are not. Even uh, on the program, on the program at the bottom of the oh yes, at the bottom talk of the program. <laughs> Ronald, want to talk about this? Yeah, I got you. I can talk about this. Yeah, I didn't recognize this till quickly. Yeah, I'll quickly hit on this. Yeah. I didn't recognize this till after the show was over. But at after the show was over, I picked up the program and I kept one. Mm-hmm. So if people think I'm lying, I will take a picture and put it online and show y'all, yep. so y'all can post it. This is not a lie. At the bottom, underneath, uh, like at the la- the last line, it says. Uh, adjustments or improvements have been made for students basically to show what their color are through the, uh, what is it, basically like against the honor code or whatever that they've been. Yeah, so it basically says something like, oh, um, basically what it said was, if you see students dressed inappropriately, don't worry about it. It's been approved by the the honor code. He has been, like, yeah. Exceptions have been made to the honor code. Through cultural uh, clothing or whatever it was, and I was just Mm -hmm. like... Now, mind you, this was for like crop tops. That was that was pretty much it, like crop tops, and and that was it. But the fact that you know, for black students, they have to make they have to put this on the program and say, oh, it's okay if you see a black student wearing a crop top that's against the honor code. It's been approved. I I could pick up a luau, um, I could pick up a luau program right now, and I would not see that anywhere on there. Period. Oh, this is an exception that was made. Period. Code, even though they'd be out there, oiled up, slicked up, body rolling, you know whatever that's not an issue but as soon as it you Which know it's cool we don't know, have no issue with yeah that. we don't right. not at all well, right not at all we don't have an issue but it's the, the unequal black... treatment yeah sorry go ahead no you're good you're good you got it i'm getting passionate oh no i was just saying like the same thing you were saying that it's not equal and like the standards are just not the same and it's and it's even that way for even like you know even fiesta like they mm-hmm. have to also dress in a more um you know, modest way, air quote, uh, with things covering sleeves and whatnot. And even if a traditional outfit doesn't, like, I've noticed it as well. And it's just interesting, the groups of people with the highest representation and, like, the highest buy-in as a multicultural group in the church, 
they have the most leeway and Period. they're literally like there's literally stuff written in the handbook there's like policies that allow um polynesian people to dress certain ways and to like excuse them from dressing immodestly because of their culture which i'm i don't have an issue with i think that's great but i think that because there are more polynesians number wise in the church especially percentage they you know with you know the church's favorite line good information comes good revelation they <laughs> they don't have cultural people who are black and hispanic which they should have hispanic people um because there's enough but or, or latino people and but they don't have those people who you know have set in those policies that would air quote allow those things that they allow from other groups and so it's like it just look it comes off as unfair treatment mm. no matter what which somebody tries to spin it and so that's the hard thing is like we're not upset at our brothers and sisters who get to do it. We just want to be allowed to do the same things. And this is where my favorite line comes, Nate and Rachel. Y'all know this. Keep the same energy. Mm -hmm. I don't like when y'all want to switch exactly. up. And it just always seems like black students get the low end of the stick. And I, I had a conversation with VP Hernandez about this um, and Vice President Hernandez. Um, at BYU, um, vice president of the office of office of, of, of mm -hmm. Vice President Hernandez straight up said a student should not be taken from a leadership role if they're given that. So that gave me confidence because I feel like he's really been trying, mm -hmm. and he's really tried to like help since he's gotten in there. Um, you know, has, which we haven't a lot. An impossible task. No, he really has an impossible task. He goes through a lot of barriers, and I'm not gonna lie, he's putting his neck out on the line oh, yeah. because to be able to have that conversation. And he said this. He says, "I am willing to sit down with whoever I need to," because he says, "Ron, that shouldn't happen to you or any other student. It's not about me, right? But if they took it from me, they'll take it from someone else, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm worried about. If you do it to me, you'll do it to someone else. But for the fact that he was able to say that, he even said this. He says, "I'm willing." And, and this is what I love about him. He says, there needs to be a standard. He's like, I agree of time. Because I said the time thing, I said to not let black students participate because of time, he wasn't rocking with that. He did not like when he heard that the MSS did that because of time. Mm -hmm. And he was about ready to send an email himself. And he said that maybe us as the students need to decide what the time length is, what are the exceptions, and get that. And he mm -hmm. said this, you tell me who you want in the room and I'll make it happen. He was, and he's like, this is not just for you guys. This can go across the board for the rest of the program. He's like, but I want a standard because I think if Luau gets two hours and 15 minutes, perspective should get two hours and 15 minutes. It should not be Luau gets whatever they want, Fiesta gets this, and then you guys are left with this. Mm -hmm. That's, he's like, no one should get cut. He's like, it needs to be equality. And a part of that equality is like, the only people that are going to know that are the students, I feel like, that should be able to do that. He was says, so I want, and, and to hear that like, you tell me who you want in the room. He's like, if there's a specific administrative person you don't want there, I won't put them there. I said, well, that would be greatly appreciated because there's a handful of them where I'm like, no, like I just you like I don't trust you. And after this, I really don't trust you. But it just whenever we have that conversation, whenever we decide to do that, he is definitely seems like he's been trying to push to help us for sure. And he's told that he said, you guys can come and I can give you the same stuff, but I'm helping the BSU first. I'm helping the black students in the MSS office. I'm going that way first because that's where I committed first. And that's where the issues are occurring, if you haven't recognized and going from there. He's not showing favoritism. He's not. He's just saying this is not equal to these people yet before we can get here. So, shout out to him. Mm -hmm. Good, good, good. Wait. So, that's that situation. So, and I told you, and I haven't told you this, and I'm saying this live on air. I am willing to live with whatever, um, not necessarily consequences, but if they never ask me to do the MC thing or something again, I've kind of let it go. You know, mm -hmm. I've kind of come to a place where if they don't want me to participate, if they say no, there's no point to fight it because I know at the end of the day, I know what the people actually know. Mm -hmm. You know, the people around me is what matters. They support me. And at the end of the day, 
I'll look him in the eye and say, you're wrong for what you're doing, and you know that. And if you can go to bed at night thinking about that, cool, keep stepping. But I know at the last day, when the man asked me above and be like, yeah, they did it, I'm going to keep stepping with it because, and that's the thing is, I don't want to, I don't even now want to maybe represent someone who is who's doing stuff like this? Because that's why. Why would you? Why would you want to do that? You know. Mm-hmm. And I know that this is our one opportunity to be honest. And we're gonna keep it real to say some of the jokes. We shouldn't even be saying perspectives. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't even be calling it that. If we're gonna keep it real, why we gotta call it perspectives? Why can't we say Black History Month show? And this is one of the jokes I was gonna say. You know why? You know why white people can't say Black History because then they, and BYU because then they have to say White History. And what are we gonna celebrate? Oppression. Mm-hmm. Keeping it real. Yeah, there you go. Well, we'll leave it and, at that. Yes, yeah. yeah. This this is just another example of I mean, hearing Ronald, you know, kinda of talking at the end about he's accepted it and he doesn't want to represent again, I just want you guys to pay attention to the way that he's speaking and how these experiences make black students feel not empowered. It makes us feel it has made me feel when I went to BYU just, you know, feeling very aloof about the future and like people ask me will ask me now like how are you what do you hope for BYU I'm like I don't feel nothing for that school like I do not feel hopeful because of the experiences that I had right like Mm -hmm. this experience that Ronald had I remember when it was all going on he called me and he's like I understand what y'all have been going through period that's the first thing I said (laughs) I said said, I understand because Ronald's like I haven't had any experiences with the administration like no I haven't really I haven't if I'm gonna keep it yeah one experience with the honor code office which we would talk about another day but um Mm -hmm. that's very different but he's like I didn't see it he's like now I see the frustration that you've had with the MSS office or with different things when you're trying to get things done on campus it has felt like Mm -hmm. they don't want anything to change they don't want to be honest and those experiences are what you know, tarnishes someone's experience at school and does not make them want to come back to help or want to come back and or to continue to contribute because there's also black students who attend BYU right now who are very like they don't care about what happens and because of negative experiences that they've had. Yeah. And so I'd like to highlight that, that this also contributes to, you know, this college is supposed to be the time of someone's life, a time of excitement and learning and growing and having fun. And this is, you know, black students, again, like we've highlighted multiple times on this podcast, that's just not the reality. And instead, they're feeling beat down, um, bullied and targeted by administration who doesn't want to be honest um, and doesn't want to be fair, which is unfortunate, but the truth. Beat down, bedraggled and bushwhacked. Not the, yes. not those words. <laughs> beat down, bedraggled and bushwhacked. Nate oh, got the words. I got the words. Well. Thank you. Should we close it out with some recommendations? Yes. All right. Who's going first? Rachel, you got it? I do not. Ooh, um, recommendations. I don't know about this. Well, okay. Yeah, so well, we'll explain it real episode. quick to you. Okay. Oh, go you ahead, Nate. It. You got it. You got it. Oh, yeah. So at the end of the episode, we um, just, you know, you can recommend anything. We give one recommendation to our listeners of something they mm. can do, whether that's a book. You can recommend movies. You can recommend um, shoot a TikTok, even like anything you want to recommend truly. Is something that we will put out, and it doesn't have to be have to do anything with race. It can have nothing to do with this. It could just be like a funny show, or a good song, whatever you want. I okay. I actually do have my recommendation now. But okay, I don't. I know I recommended. I think I recommended an audiobook I've been listening to, but I, I started another audiobook. It's called. This is gonna sound so bad. Love you, mom. But um, it's called Children of Immature 
parents. Hold on, let me pull up the exact name. I don't want to say it wrong because it's it's so good. Okay, it's called. Give me a second. Oh, adult children of emotionally immature parents. How to heal from distant, rejecting, and self-involved parents. Yeah, I just say that there's a lot of our parents just didn't have the mental health services that they maybe needed or just like didn't you know we're dealing with a lot of things because of a different time Mm -hmm. and different generation which i have grace and understanding for but it's just listening to it has helped me to feel very validated in some experiences that i had in my and it's helped me to understand my my parents better and have helped me to have more compassion for them and it's just been a very it's been very good and it helps you to understand yourself more even and why your parents reacted the way they might have reacted to you, especially within the, you know, people of color community, immigrant community. Our parents were, you know, didn't have the ability, the ability to be like self-reflective and like mental health and like figure out what was going on with them um, to be able to maybe not react the way they might have through different times in our childhood. So that's my recommendation to listen or read that book. Love that. Love that. All right. Let's see. What's my recommendation for this week? I don't even know, to be honest. You know what? I listened to a good book this week, so I've been on the Libby kick since I you know, downloaded the Libby mm. app or whatever. Um, and so I've just been listening to books left and right. But uh, this is one. I actually read it before, and I I really enjoy it. So if you like, like a... I guess like a like a thriller. Well, no, it's not a thriller. I don't even. It's it's like a book thriller, you know. So it kind of like strings you along, and there's like an exciting ending. Uh, but it's called The Runaway Jury by John Grisham. G R I S H A M. John Grisham, The Runaway Jury. Um, it's a cool story about. Uh, um, he, he's a dude. He used to be a lawyer. He practiced law, and then he became an author, and so he just writes books about law. Um, it's actually one of the people that got me interested in law school in the first place. Like, mm. So I reread that book again, book I read when I was a kid. So yeah, I recommend checking that out if you like a good, a good, fun, interesting thriller book about the law. Period. What you got, Ron? Ugh, I don't know. I was thinking just about everything, man. I was like, man, I ain't reading no books. Um, and I'm you, not, you don't have yeah. to be that. It could be I a, know. I was like, and I'm not going to go to the script. It could I'm not be a restaurant. Go, it could be a TV I'm show. not going to go to the script, so we're going to leave that out of it. But like, nah, it could be your favorite shoe. If you guys don't know oh, something true. about Ron, he mm. is a big sneakerhead. His house is, yeah, a lot of <laughs> shoes. You, you turn in different corners that you didn't think stuff was in, and boom, sneakers. <laughs> so uh, You had to put it on the... Uh, one day on Black Men's TikTok, how many shoes like I just come through the house? I'm dead for real. <laughs> okay, no, um, but yeah, anything. Yeah. I think one of one of my one of my suggestions is this, um, and this is just something that I've really tried since the beginning of the year. And Rachel can can back me up on this. I I feel like in the last year to year and a half, my life has changed. Um, and something I would say is keep people in your life that challenge your opinion, um, mm-hmm. and keep staying uncomfortable. Cause I, cause I, as, as, and, and really think about what you believe and why you believe it, and and, and that's what I'm serious. Cause as I sat down just recently, in you know just the last twelve to eighteen months, and I I've thought about things or the things that I haven't thought about as I've older and mature, and I was like, oh, I'm listening. Oh, I believe this because I was told this kind of, mm-hmm. or because I kind of did. I didn't do this. I really didn't think for myself, or I didn't really search. Mm-hmm. You know. So now what do I got to do? Is if I make these comments. Not make these comments just freely, but ha- be around people who challenge you. You'd be like, mm, did you think about this? Yeah, I'm glad you recognize this because you was tripping here. I'm glad I recognize it. Like, keep people in your life that challenge your opinion and always stay uncomfortable because 
this is my favorite line. If you have a room full of people that think the same as you, that be acting the same, that walk the same, that talk the same, you really can't grow and progress. And just a group of people that I have now, I feel like compared to like three years ago, I feel like I've been able to take steps than or I was. Because in reality, as I look at it, I was taking some steps backwards mm. because a lot of stuff going on. And as I've been able to have certain experience, ask questions, and I've been able to see things, my opinion and perspective has changed on a lot of stuff. And I'm grateful that I was able to do that because now I've been able to now challenge other people's opinion. And that's the biggest thing. And if you stay uncomfortable, you always go on. Nah, that's a terrible way to say that. If you stay uncomfortable and if you always have people that challenge your opinion, you're always going to be looking to become a better person, I feel like. And because you have to realize the way you do it ain't the correct way. A lot of people think the way they do something is the right and only way. Incorrect. As I've looked at life, there's multiple ways for a person to do something. And there's multiple ways to get the same result just differently. You may not like that, but that's something that I've learned um, is that. So keep people in your life to challenge you and, you know, always think differently and stay uncomfortable because we live in a world where, you know, especially whether that be here in Utah in a bubble or somewhere else, a lot of people think say the same things and I came from a diverse environment I'm grateful but I feel like at times not that I got damaged but I felt like I just went with the flow and not as I've taken a step back and looked at things I'm kind of like mm, I was rocking that way but that's not really how I rock I actually rock this way and mm-hmm. I got to switch up so okay I love, love that you heard it here first from the Honorable Reverend Dr. Ronald Bartholomew Weaver. <laughs> hey, man, if I if I start a church, y'all going to join, man? I'm telling you, I know I can. I won't take people money, but you know. <laughs> cool. Appreciate y'all having me on, though. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Ron. Catch y'all next week. Thank you for joining us on the Black Menace podcast today. Make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at the Black Menaces. And make sure to subscribe to our Patreon, the Menace Society, where you can get bonus content from us on the podcast, as well as extra clips from our videos that we film. And don't forget to email us at blackmenacepodcast at gmail.com for menace moments or any other questions that you want us to answer because this show is for you guys thank you and remember always be a menace thank you